Susie told me this morning that um, sad news, we had six students that got into a major car accident last night. Three of them? At least two, probably three fatalities. Isn't that terrible? You know, so I'm just thankful that, uh, you know, it happens every year, every year. And we try project graduation and parties and things to get the kids off the streets. But inevitably, it seems like something like this happens. So we're going to go to God in prayer this morning and we're going to lift up those families who were celebrating the end of the school year and now are planning funerals, which is just dreadful. Okay. So let's pray. God, we lift these families to you. We are so thankful for the end of the school year, um, all the hard work that the the students put in for the teachers who give all that they have and more uh, to teach our young folks. And then at the end of this celebration, something just tragic like this happens. And I, I don't know what I would do as a parent this morning if I uh, woke up this morning and had to face that. And so we lift these families to you. That this morning is a, a dark morning. And, and, and from here on out, every end of the school year is going to be just a reminder of this tragedy. I, I can't even fathom that. So pour out extra grace on them today. Extra peace. Extra strength. I pray, I pray, I pray that they have a church family that they are a part of, that they can lean on for support. And if they don't, somehow connect Grace Church with them. We'll more than happily take them in and just love them through this season. I don't even know who they are, Lord, but I just lift them to your care this morning and I feel the weight of it on me, uh, even though it wasn't my kids. Um, So... Thank you for hearing that prayer. Lord, as we come to worship this morning, um, you know, we, we want to come in joy and celebration and expecting to hear a word from you, but we also realize that this world can knock us out sometimes and can just really bring dreadful things. And that's the reality that that coming to church doesn't fix everything, doesn't make it better, but you've built us for community, and this is the place in which we are fed. This is the place in which we are strengthened. This is the place where we find support. And so we're just we're grateful this morning to have this. What a gift that grace is for all of us um, to be able to come to this place. And, and I pray that if any of us here this morning or folks that that aren't here because they're wherever if they are dealing with something if they are struggling with something that they would feel comfortable in reaching out to one or two people among us that they would know this is a safe space and that we can begin to pray for them and support them in whatever they're going through lord we confess that sometimes the things we're dealing with is of our own doing that we have just we've messed up We've done some things we shouldn't have done. Uh, We've turned away from you. We know that you set before us the way of shalom, and and we turn to the left and right and and then miss that shalom that you so want for us. 
And as we kind of talk about that this morning, as we dig into the scriptures, we ask you to forgive us. We know that you forgive us. Help us to receive that forgiveness and to just try harder next time to trust you in the ways we should go. Lord, I'm going to open up the floor this morning and just allow people to kind of speak the concerns that they have on their hearts. We know that you hear us, uh, but we're going to ask that you hear us uh, just as a way of releasing this to you. This is our way of saying we trust you and we're going to be present today in this moment, in this worship service, present and actively looking for your presence and listening for a word from you. But to do that, we've got to We've got to trust you into that. So, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, 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 hear our prayers. 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 Lord, we lift these and any unspoken requests to you. I also pray for all of our folks that are not here this morning, some because they're traveling on vacation, uh, some because maybe they're sick uh, or unable to get here this morning, but also some that um, perhaps are not here this morning just because, I don't know, that they have forgotten what... A gift this gathering is. And so without condemnation, I pray that you would prick their hearts to remember that they are a part of this family and that we love them and miss them and that they would desire to be here among us so that we can be all together. We long to see their faces again and so We ask to see them. We also ask that this week as we go out and do our normal things, that we would be attentive to your still small voice concerning people who need an invitation to church. That as we are having conversations, as we are uh, maybe having casual interactions with people that you would place that into your hearts just to simply say hey do you have a home church if not i'd like to invite you to grace because i believe that you have people that you have been speaking to 
that that's all they're waiting for is an invitation. That if somebody would just invite them, they would take that as a word from you and they would come. And so part of what we need to do is just to be that middle person, to, to stand in that gap and to invite them and to pray for them. Lord, we thank you for the gift of this day. We worship you. We love you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray all of this. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Romans chapter 6, 1 through 14. Yes, we're still in Romans. Yes, Paul is still writing this letter. It's one of his longest. If you can make it through Romans, God bless you. We're doing sections of it. Chapter 6, 1 through 14. Actually, I'm going to back up. Uh, Legend, you don't have this, but that's okay. I'm going to back up just a couple verses because it puts it in context, okay? Uh, Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that just as sin exercised dominion and death, so grace might also exercise dominion through justification, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, here's where we are. What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Okay, I want you to imagine this for a moment. I'm going to paint a picture for you. Imagine a world that is uh, factories and industries wall to wall, all over the globe, as far as the eye can see. And these factories produce a heavy smog, and so that smog is covering everything. It's everywhere. It's thick, it's oppressive, it's dark. 
When you are born into this world, you immediately begin to breathe in this smog because that's all there is to breathe in. It's toxic. It affects your health. It shortens your lifespan. It makes the world just plain ugly. And like everyone before you, when you get old enough, you go to work in the factories. Or perhaps maybe you're building new factories. And the cycle of smog production just goes on and on and on. You're born into a world where the smog wounds you, where it surrounds you, where there is no other option but to participate and perpetuate the very thing that is killing everyone on the planet. This is how Paul sees the world. This is how Paul sees the world since the dawn of time, except for instead of smog, it's sin. Sin, to Paul, is the water we swim in. It is the air we breathe. We are enslaved to it. We die because of it. It is inescapable. It is everywhere. But all of this changes for Paul. When a man named Jesus enters the picture. This Jesus guy is born into this same world and breathes in this same smog, but refuses to participate in creating more of it. And this God-man who chooses to enter this smoggy world after a period of time, just like everybody, he too experiences death after spending his life in this smoggy world he dies and at first it seems like such a waste of a life because we had hope that maybe this guy was going to be different but it seems as though the smog has taken another life the smog has won again but then on the third day this man comes back to life. And suddenly, we have something new and different. And the smog can no longer kill this guy. The power of the smog and the death that it brings no longer has a perfect killing record. It was 100% up until now. It's not 100% anymore. And hope begins to arise in some folks that maybe, somehow, some way, this smog problem can be defeated one day. And maybe this guy is the key. This is how Paul sees the world. Except for smog, it's sin. Now, anticipating how the Romans might respond to what Paul said previously, what we talked about last week. He wants to balance out his message here in this next section with a word of caution because Paul knows that if it is true that God loves us and forgives us and comes to rescue us, regardless of how we respond, that God's, not, God's love for us is not based on our performance, that we simply need to receive His gift through faith, he knows that the temptation is going to be to keep on sinning, which is why he asked the question, should we keep on sinning so that grace might abound? 
I mean, what's the point of trying to live a good life if God loves me and forgives me anyway? What's the point? This is a question we still ask today. There's got to be a catch to this gift, right, God? There's limits. There's an expiration on it. Something. There's got to be more to it. Nothing is free in life. Man, back when I was a kid and I was starting to get, you know, I was listening to rock and roll and there was this whole movement that went through the church in which uh, our pastors were encouraging us to get rid of secular music, right? I don't, did you, does anybody experience any of that? We had, we had CD burnings and tape burnings and it was this weird period of my life. But we found that, that there were Christian artists that we didn't know about in, in this period because we had to have our rock and roll in our lives. And so we began to discover bands like Striper and uh, some others. One of the earliest guys that I found, his name was Carmen. You remember Carmen? Okay. Carmen passed away a couple years ago, a few years ago. It was very sad. But he had this one song called The Champion. The Champion. Fabulous song. In this song, he lays out this story uh, of Jesus. And Jesus is in a boxing match with the devil. And the devil's record is flawless. He has KO'd every opponent that he has come up against. And so here, Jesus and the devil square off 40 days and 40 nights in the ring. And it's this intense power battle. But at the end of the match, the devil wins, just like the devil has always won. Knocks Jesus out, lays him out flat, kills him, dead. And then the ref, who is, who is the father, begins the countdown, right? And he's counting down from 10. And as he's counting down, the devil notices that Jesus begins to flutter his eyes and his fingers begin to twitch and he begins to stir and he begins to wake up and the devil is shouting stop counting this is not how this is supposed to go when I knock people out they stay down stop counting but as long as the father keeps counting Jesus is being revived and eventually stands up and Carmen says he has won he has won he's alive forevermore he has won. I'll tell you what, this is one of the most creative songs I've ever heard. In fact, one of the first concerts I ever went to as a kid, I don't know how old I was, maybe 15, I swear when he did this song live, I thought, Jesus is coming back now. Like, I, I'm looking up. He's coming back any second. Got to. This song is so powerful. I mean, what do you do with a guy that just can't be beaten? You lay him out and kill him, and he gets back up. What do you do then? Right? The blows of sin and death for the first time ever in history are powerless. The devil no longer has a flawless record. He's got one loss. Yeah, he's got like 99.999999% wins, but he's got one loss. It's the first the first chink in the armor of the devil. Paul says to the Romans, do you guys not know what happened when you were baptized? Do you not realize what happened that day that you were baptized? 
you were baptized into Christ and into his death and resurrection power. You were joined to Christ in such a way that that power is now yours. It is linked to you. In that moment when you were baptized, God claimed you and marked you as one of his own. God pointed a finger at sin, that old tyrant, and said, you cannot bully this one anymore. You can't steamroll this one. This one's mine. Paul says that's what happened when you were baptized. And why, oh why, oh why, in light of this, would you want to enter that boxing ring again and submit yourself to punches you don't have to take anymore? This is what Paul's saying. But Paul's not an idiot because he knows that old habits die hard. In fact, in a few chapters, Paul's going to say, man, the stuff that I don't want to do is the very thing that I I do. The uh, the things that I want to do, I don't do them. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? Paul gets it, right? It's still a struggle. It's still a struggle that we slip into our old ways of living. We rationalize our choices. We, we think, well, this isn't really going to hurt me or hurt others or hurt creation. And so we just get back into these old ways of living. Paul is saying, look, the death and resurrection of Jesus doesn't mean that sin has been defeated yet but we know what's coming for it 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 means that sin and death no longer reign unchecked it doesn't have a flawless record anymore it means that death is no longer guaranteed to have the last word and so paul says our task right here and right now is to do our best to live every day as though we too are champions like jesus making a conscious effort to avoid that boxing ring where sin is ready to pounce, right? Sin is in that boxing ring. Come on, get on in here, I dare you. Paul says, man, don't be an idiot. Don't step back in that ring. One uh, rabbi commentator that I uh, check in on periodically um, this week, she was talking about uh, Sabbath rules for Jews. As a Jew, they have rules on Sabbath, things that you can and cannot do. One of those things is, is something simple like flipping on a light switch. can't do that on the Sabbath, right? But, but that, that motion of flipping on a light switch is so ingrained, you, you do it six days of the week, that inevitably you'll walk into the kitchen on Sabbath and you'll flip that light switch on. And you go, I broke the Sabbath, Right? And the, the, the pastor that, that kind of talks with her in this commentary says, well, what do Jews do in that moment? When you break the Sabbath, when you mess up, what do you do? And she says, oh, well, you just, you just kind of acknowledge the slip up and you try your best not to do it again. Maybe, maybe next time you put like a piece of tape over the light switch so that when you come in on Sunday and you go to flip that light on, you're reminded, oh, I can't do that, not today. But she said, there's, there's no condemnation from God. There's no penance that's needed to make up for it. You just acknowledge the mistake and you try again next Sabbath to do the right thing. 
Folks, this is what Paul is suggesting here. Avoid placing yourself in harm's way. If you have to, put a metaphorical piece of tape over whatever that problem area is. I don't know what that is, but put a tape over it to remind yourself. And if you find, as Paul found, as we all find, that somehow you end up back in that ring again, and you take a punch from sin, the devil knocks you down, Paul says, no worries. Wherever sin abounds, grace abounds more. Grace will always be there to pick you back up, to dust you off, to pat you on the butt and say, try it again. Paul says you can never exhaust grace, which is why he's telling us all this. Well, if that's true, Paul, should I just sin so that God's grace can, can abound even more? No, don't do that. But know that if you need it, grace is always there in greater abundance than sin. You know, Pastor Roy, I'm going to miss you, buddy. We've had some good conversations over the last several weeks. Uh, but this week, as we were kind of mulling this text over, uh, Roy reminded me, you know, this champion mindset that, that Paul is encouraging us to adopt is what John Wesley uh, referred to as sanctification, what the Bible refers to as sanctification. But John Wesley was really uh, keen on this idea, the idea that God is moving us toward that final victory and that in the meantime, um, we are to live as though. It, it's now and not yet. But that God desires to change our habits, to rewire our thought processes. That God wants to open our hearts to perfect love. But to do that, we have to place ourselves under the fountains of grace. Well, what are those fountains of grace then? Well, you're participating in one this morning. The gathering together of the body is one of those fountains of grace. Means of grace, he called them. Channels of grace. Prayer, Bible study, reading your Bible, worshiping together, fasting regularly, tithing, confessing your sins regularly. These are works of piety. But then he also said there's works of mercy too that are also fountains of grace. You need to make sure you're participating in both of them. Helping the poor and needy, visiting the sick and the imprisoned, standing up for the oppressed using your voice to speak out against oppression. You see, the more we avoid the boxing ring of sin and rather position ourselves in these places, theoretically, the easier it becomes. The more we look like Jesus the champion, not because we're fantastic or we're working extra hard or doing right things when other people are not. It's just because we are trusting in God's love more and more. And trusting in God's love is what enables God's love to flood our lives. It's that whole idea of submitting yourself to what God already wants to do in your life. You see, folks, through Christ, according to Paul, we too are champions. We are anticipating our final victory. And so as we wait for that final day, let us strive to live into that future reality now. And if you mess up, guess what? Grace is there. 
But as Paul says, don't let that grace be an excuse to get lazy. Stay on your game. Let it motivate you as a response to God's perfect love and grace. Let's pray. God, we uh, thank you for this reminder. We thank you that grace abounds more. I thank you that this church uh, has been named Grace. Help us to remember that, that this place, uh, by the very nature of our name, stands to be a place where people can come and find grace. But help us, as we celebrate the gift of grace, not to forget that sin still lurks in the world, that this is still a smoggy world, that we're still breathing it in, and we can either help produce more of it, or we can do our best to refrain from that, as Jesus did. But we know that that doesn't happen in our own power, that ultimately you're the one who supplies us with all that we need. We just simply have to trust you to receive it. So may we position ourselves in these places of grace, not because it makes you love us more or forgive us more, but because you want to pour out good things upon us in these places. And so we thank you for that. Strengthen us today. Strengthen us for this week. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Y'all grab the hand of the person next to you. So folks, as you receive this blessing, know that the God beyond our galaxy, who is Lord of heaven and earth and holy, holy, is making you holy. And that happens through the process of grace. So receive it whenever and wherever you can. It's a free gift. With that, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you're perfectly loved, you're completely forgiven, and you are uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out into the world and live as God's faithful children. Folks, you're going to make some mistakes this week. But wherever sin abounds, grace abounds more. Because God's love for us is not based on our performance. It's rooted in God's very nature. God is love. So that when God looks at us, he says, y'all are nothing but the best of the best of the best. And I am so in love with you. And so I pray that you hear that word this week. That that strengthens you and encourages you. Stay out of that boxing ring. You just get beat up and you don't need to do that. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, take that good word and go from this place in peace.